Thank you so very, very much. Please be seated. A tan. Now that would be something I'd love to see. All that this skin does is burn. And, uh, and I have the scars to prove it because those of you who know me know that I've had plenty of the, those things called sun cancers removed. But in any case, thank you. It's lovely to be with you again. Margaret and I were standing in the, down the front here and she just leaned across and said, isn't it great, great to be back in church? So it's great to be back in church. And of course, happy 2023! Some of you might be saying, Brendan, that's a bit belated, mate. I mean, seriously, if you haven't figured it out, we're already well into 2023. How many people know that our happiness, though, is not uh, in any way dependent on our circumstances, no matter what's going to happen in 2023? How many people know that? How many people know that our happiness is actually only dependent on the revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is in you and who you are in him? We've finished. That's it. That's the message for today. <laughs> If you just, no, seriously, if you can grab a hold of that, no matter what's coming, people, no matter what's coming in 2023, if we simply grab a hold of the idea that our happiness is not dependent on the circumstances that we find ourselves in, but on the revelation knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and who you are in him and who he is in you. Amen? All right. Well, uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to... Uh, share a message with you with a prophetic nature. Not a pathetic, not a pathetic nature. A, I got that right, a prophetic, a prophetic nature. And uh, because of that, it's important, I think, that we remember whenever God spoke uh, in the scriptures prophetically to his people, way more often than not, he was doing that to help them understand the times that they were living in from heaven's perspective, because oftentimes what we're seeing here on earth and what's happening and what they're seeing in heaven are two different things. Uh, but from heaven's perspective, what's actually, what are the days we're living in? What are the times we're living in? Uh, but even more than that, how then should his people uh, appropriately prepare to meet the challenges of those times? And so with that in mind, that's what this message is actually about. It's about trying to get an understanding from heaven's perspective on possibly the times that we now find ourselves in, not just civic church, but the church in general. Uh, and then how should the church, but in particular civic, uh, appropriately prepare ourselves to uh, meet the challenges of those times? So you're all ready? Yeah. Get ready, get set, yeah. go. Okay, let's get started. Early last year... Uh, I had the privilege uh, and the opportunity of attending an ACC, that's Australian Christian Churches, uh, that for those of you who may not be aware of it, uh, this church, a, a, a civic church is part of Australian Christian Churches and, and I had uh, the opportunity of attending uh, our annual ACC Influences Summit, uh, which by the way is, is by invitation only. Uh, so there was a, only a small group there, I, I would have thought no more than 50 out of the uh, whole number of, of uh, churches that are part of ACC, uh, in, this is Queensland and Northern Territory. And, uh, and so it's a very uh, re relatively intimate kind of setting, but it's where we get to hear from people that our state president... Uh, uh, and leaders within the movement think this would be important for us to hear uh, moving forward. And so uh, last year, 
Reverend Tim Costello was one of our guest speakers. We only had two, he was, he was one of them. Now, Tim was introduced by our state president, our then state president, our now vice president of, the, of the, our national vice president, but then our state president, as a national living treasure who also has an international profile. So this is the kind of introduction that our state president was giving him. He said he is the former CEO of World Vision and is now the senior advisor for the Centre of Public Christianity, which means explaining in the secular media the truth about Christianity. Who wants that job? Um, but it, it appears that uh, Tim, Reverend Tim Costello, is, is well uh, received in trying to help our secular understanding and, and particularly our secular media to understand the truth about Christianity. He also has served as a government diplomat, which many of us may or may not know, and is respected by both sides of politics. It was interesting to me that he had been uh, over to Syria, places like Syria, uh, and uh, appointed by our government as a sort of a, a diplomat to try and help bring um, peace into, that, into those situations and continues to be, be used in that manner. So I think he's got something to say. His main message to those of us at the summit was about the power of humility and how it drives so much of the violence and turmoil in the world today. The power of humiliation and how it drives so much of the violence and the turmoil in the world today. For example, he said that uh, Putin was humiliated by the dismantling of the USSR and because of that, this is what is driving what we're currently seeing happening over there with Ukraine. Uh, mind you, he's actually had personal interview with Putin. Not recently, but earlier on as a diplomat, he has actually sat and spoke with um, uh, Putin. Vladimir. Uh, Xi Jinping uh, has been known uh, to, to say that he feels China has been humiliated over the decades. And so again, uh, Tim is inferring that because the leader of China's leader now feels that way, this is what's pushing China to seem to uh, get more and more active. And Trump's push behind making America great again was because he felt the nation had been humiliated and was now not the kind of a great nation that it was supposed to be. And, uh, and so for all these reasons, uh, and, and he gave us a whole lot more, but he was speaking very candidly to us and said, for these reasons you need to know what the power, how the power of humiliation is working in our world and how much it's creating this, this violence <clears throat> or leading to this kind of violence. And he said this, um, he felt, this was the key point for me, he felt that the church in general was also now facing a period of humiliation and it needs to get used to the idea that it will face this challenge regularly. By now he had our attention. <laughs> So this is, this is this, uh, sort of this time last year I was hearing this message. Uh, he said, The moral failings of the church 
have been its most recent humiliation, along with the defeat of the Religious Discrimination Bill last year in 2022. Now, supporting this idea of humiliation, a previous speaker, Professor Patrick Parkinson, who had also been speaking at another uh, Influencers Conf uh, uh, Summit, uh, the previous head of the University of Queensland Sco School of Law, again, high-profile man, says a uh, Christian man, says that the church has lost every Christian battle for decades. In other words, the things that have been important to us and our values, whenever it's now had to go to uh, the courts or there's been any legislation around it, that every single one of our um, uh, uh, battles, cultural battles, has been lost for decades. So you're thinking right now, why did I come to church to hear this? This is wonderful, Brendan. Thank you for that. But at this point, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I, I really felt, and that's why I'm here talking about it this morning, and felt very impressed in my heart that I could not just uh, be silent on this matter. But it was at that point that I, uh, as sitting there listening to this, that I knew the Holy Spirit spoke clearly to my heart and said, this guy is speaking prophetically. That's talking about Tim, uh, Reverend Tim Costello. This guy is speaking prophetically and you need to listen up, which is what he said to me. You need to take notice of this and you need to start to under, have an understanding around this, this thinking of humility and what, what he's saying about the, the, the times that the church is facing um, this, this time of humiliation, we need to take notice of that. And so here we are this morning, and, uh, and I'm speaking to you, believing that uh, that was prophetic, and that then what we ought to be thinking about is how do we now accurately prepare for the challenges that might be facing us through this period uh, of humiliation? Well, um, where would you go? Where would where should the church, where would the church go to look for some way of uh, getting an understanding of how we can prepare for this? Um, where do you go? Well, I, I would suggest that you would all agree we go straight to Jesus, right? Yeah. Let's just go straight to Him. You know, Jesus from His birth understood humiliation. Born in a manger, the King of Kings. <laughs> God incarnate. Here he comes into this earth. And where does he get born? In a manger. And so throughout his ministry, of course, you'll find there are many examples of where he was not received and not accepted for the person that he was. Without, in, in fact, in many cases, clearly not um, understood at all and, uh, and not received. And, and, and of course, especially when you come down to the humiliation of the cross. Yes. Think of it. Yeah. Understand the power of humiliation that was at work right there. When God himself was willing to submit to the cross and the humiliation that would go along with that. And so I believe that this morning, um, if we're willing to accept that yeah, okay, we might have to just have a, another look at this and see how, how would the church respond, how should the church respond if indeed we are 
in the days of humiliation. What can we learn from Jesus and how did he go about defeating the power of humiliation, especially as we look at the humiliation of the cross? Here's the first thing. Number one, he accepted that humiliation and suffering can be in the will of God. All right, that's it, Brennan, we're leaving. You've had your say. <laughs> we'll let you go this far, but we're not letting you go any further. You've got to be kidding me. Fancy starting off telling us that humiliation and suffering can be in the will of God. But look what Luke 22 tells us. Jesus is preparing for the cross, and he goes, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet, <laughs> yet, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, is there any way out of this? This Can we not resolve this in a different way? This, this is his humanity speaking. We all know that Jesus, of course, is both God and man, neither, neither being compromised. Incredible to get your mind around that. But here's, here's the humanity of Jesus crying out, saying, Lord, seriously, you know, this is, this is not a good place for me to find myself. This is going to hurt. Um, the shame of it all. Um, and... Uh, is there any way we can sort of have another thought about this rescue plan that we've been planning from the beginning of the world, mind you? <laughs> and he quickly answers his own question and says, no, hang on, not my will, but your will be done. And so in other words, Jesus was acknowledging that his humanity did not want to go through the humiliation and the suffering of the cross. And we need to get used to the idea that we're not going to be happy with it. It's not going to be easy for us in our humanity to have to deal with times of humiliation. Would you agree with me? Yeah. I don't know how many of us are ready to sign up for it. Oh, yes, yeah, so, oh, good to be humiliated. Great idea. I'm part of the church. Yeah, just bring it all on. I don't think any of us are like that. However, what he did do was he accepted that humiliation and suffering can be in the will of God, particularly if it's going to bring about a better good, in the ones who are going through the humiliation or it is in the perfect plan and the will of God for the greater community. This might be hard for us to swallow, but as his church, we also need to be willing to accept this. You sticking with me? Number two, we're looking to Jesus now for how does the church appropriately prepare itself for periods or times of humiliation. Given that, I'm suggesting that it's a prophetic thinking and that we're already seeing this humiliation in the moral failings of the church. And of course, we need to really be careful and clearly understanding that it's very rare these days that our, our secular community looks to the church for any kind of moral guidance or for any kind of uh, thinkings around matters at all. Uh, it's, a, it's a harsh reality for us. Look at this one. The second thing, now, of course, we're looking at how did he face the humiliation of the cross. Well, the second one, his silence was his defence. His silence. In the, in the times of humiliation, when you're working through these times, what's the best thing to do? Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. 
Because you see, the thing is, we're so quick, we want to get up and defend ourselves, right? That's not true, because we know it's not true. You know, the reality is this, the, the things that are being said more and more about the church aren't all true. They're just not. Sadly, there are, there are some truths in there and the church needs to stand up and res- be responsible and accept that. But the, the reality is there's a whole lot of it that is, just a, that is just not right. But we do find in Isaiah 53 verse 7 that when he, this is prophetically again, speaking of Jesus as he was going to the cross, like a lamb was led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before a shearers, what did he do? He did not open his mouth. He did not open his mouth. Jesus actually saw no need to defend himself. He saw no need of having to defend himself, even though everything within you, when you're in the middle of that, particularly when you know that the things are being said about you, the accusations are being said about you, are not all true. What you want to do is you want to defend yourself. But Jesus showed us that when he was going to the cross saying, guys, it's not true, I'm not who you say I am, he said nothing. I want to say this quickly. Um, This doesn't mean to say that the church shouldn't have a voice. We still should have a voice. And we actually do have a voice, even in this period and time when we would be possibly this this time of humiliation. But, but, But how do we go about using that voice and the wisdom we use in how we use that voice? That's the key. And what we need to really understand is that we've got to learn how to bridle our tongue particularly on social media, keep it, you know, bridle the tongue. If you go in your scriptures, it's a wise person who knows how to bridle your tongue. Remember that action speaks louder than words. Action speaks louder than words. Don't get up there and start having to tell everybody a whole bunch of stuff. Don't think you've got to... We, we can have a voice, but be very wise with how you go about and when you go about using that voice and be, and just sometimes it's better just to think twice before you speak. Actually, think three and four and five times before you speak. And particularly when you get onto that stupid social media stuff and you just can't stop yourself. And then it's gone send and you're on... It's gone forever. No, I'm being really serious. <laughs> you know... Jesus was not on social media telling everybody how what they were, this mock trial that he was in was complete rubbish and how this was a complete nonsense, was he? No, he kept silent. Uh, when he was being humiliated by the chief priests and the elders at his mock trial in Matthew 27, what did he do? Remain silent. It's possible that the most difficult thing is to remain silent when you're being humiliated. But rather than retaliating, rather than retaliating, more often than not, it can be our greatest defence just to be quiet. And uh, uh, Reverend Tim Costello, um, in his his message to us, uh, these were not his points. These are points that I've... Felt that, that were relevant to the message today, but in his message to us, uh, was saying the same thing. He was saying uh, in question and answer time, uh, after he'd spoken this message, um, he made it very clear be very careful about who and what you say anything to, and sometimes it's best just to keep quiet. And so Jesus, of course, helps us to understand your silence can often be your greatest defense, but, but we can still have a voice. But remember, 
actions speak louder than words. And think two, three, four times before you open your mouth. And if, if you can't think of, if you just in, think of the state of mind you're in, and if you just want to retaliate, then say nothing. Say nothing. Who's with me? Point three. He did not hold on to offences. This is, this is the, facing the humiliation of the cross. Look what he says in Luke 23. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. See, rather than retaliating, he said, Lord, forgive them. I know the truth. You know the truth. You're the one who's going to defend me. I don't need to defend myself. And I don't need other people to defend me. And I am not going to retaliate. In fact, I am going to remain unoffendable. In the middle of the humiliating. Whenever you're hearing stuff coming back to you from the secular media world or even some of your friends and family members that are maybe listening to what's being said on the news... How do you respond? Well, don't retaliate. Don't retaliate. But possibly don't say to their face, because they'll get upset about that, Lord, I just don't, I'm just unoffendable. And I, 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 they, don't know what, they don't have the full understanding of all of these things. So I just, Lord, forgive them. Mind you, it's the willingness to forgive is essential in defeating the power of humiliation. The willingness to forgive. Look, there's a whole lot about understanding forgiveness, honestly. Forgiveness is actually not a one, once-off thing. There's a process in forgiveness, and there'll be many of us sitting here today that are working through that process of forgiveness. And, and for many of us, there have been some very deep, deep hurts, and, and, and it's caused a lot of pain and brokenness, and it can take a long time to work through the process of forgiveness. But at least we come with the willingness to forgive. And if you come with the willingness to forgive, then you'll resist the idea of retaliating. Am I right? Stick with the willingness to forgive. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't actually know the truth. They don't realize what they're saying. I'm just not going to be offended by it all. Don't get offended by it all. And finally... He knew the security of his future. See, you can go through anything when you actually know who you really are and, and, and where you get your security from. Where did Jesus get his security from? Matthew 17 is a great glimpse of that. In Matthew 17, it says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brothers of James, uh, uh, Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, that's right, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. You know, uh, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of standing on that mountain. It's an incredible place to find yourself and to be able to say when you read the scriptures, man, I've been there, and to understand what was actually happening there. There he was, listen to it, transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. In other words, 
what was, what was happening there was his pending glorification was on display. When he was standing on Mount Transfiguration, his pending glorification was on display. He was being encouraged by Moses and Elijah who had also come. Could you imagine being Peter, James and John? Just standing back, man, this is awesome cinema. Great. I mean, seriously, think about it. These guys are in a glorified state. And these three disciples had been given the privilege of seeing this in action. But it was a time when we believe that Jesus was being encouraged by Moses and Elijah that his, his glorification was pending even though he had to go through the cross. And so his security was in knowing who he was spiritually. Spiritually, he knew how this was all going to work out. And so we need to have the same kind of security spiritually, right? We need to be able to approach these times, these challenging times of humiliation from the idea of being secure in who we are in him. Who are we in Christ is more important than who we are in the eyes of men. And so sadly, if we start retaliating, we lower ourselves to trying to work at that level, whereas we shouldn't be at that level spiritually. Are you keeping up with me? And so here Jesus was secure, in spiritually secure now, in understanding and again being encouraged. It's, you're going to go through this time of humiliation of the cross, but don't worry, there's a time when you'll be glorified. And so he knew he had nothing to prove or defend. Now, get, get ready for this. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8.30 that in Christ we also can look forward to our pending glorification. What are you looking forward to? What are you looking to these days? Where are you getting your security from these days? Where did Jesus get his security from today? How can you not need, see the need to have to stand up and prove, you, prove yourself or defend yourself or retaliate because you know who you are in Jesus Christ? Because Paul has already told us that Jesus says in Romans chapter 30, uh, 30 Romans chapter 8.30, those he's predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also... Can I hear it again? He also... Yes, you might not feel like it that today. <laughs> Ah, I'm supposed to be living in my glorified state. Well, no, actually, that's not how it works. We've not yet, we've, although we've been justified, the word justified actually means made right with God. Another word for justified is made righteous. And, and I, I would hope many of us who understand how uh, what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary was allowed us to now... Um, he was able to give us his righteousness because he paid the price of our sin. And so he justified us. The Bible teaches us that be being justified now, we have a right standing with God and now we can have a relationship with God in Jesus Christ because in his righteousness we can now relate to God's righteousness. But, but, but look, he goes further because most of the church today stops there. They, they understand, they do get the idea that in Christ, 
we are righteous and we can have a, a, a right standing with God. They do get that, but they don't keep reading. Because what does the rest of it say? And those he justified, he also... Now, did you get a hold of the, of the tense? Those he justified, he also glorified. You can work through every single translation and you're going to read that scripture and you'll find it's past tense. Here's the thing. Jesus does not just look at us and his church now as justified. When he looks at us, he sees us as also. Now, we may not see it, but he does. And what, how should we see ourselves? The way he sees us. And if we keep our eyes on him and keep looking to him and understanding how he sees us and living out how he sees us and not how men see us, we'll be fine. But it's when the church doesn't keep its eyes on Jesus and it says, I've got to stand up and I've got to defend myself, I've got to tell, I've got to get on that social media, I've got to... We get ourselves in a mess. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Stay silent. Think twice, think three times, think four times and get your eyes on Jesus. And remember, you're not just justified, you're also glorified as he is glorified. Now, here's the thing, we've got to get this clear. Uh, we've already been glorified in Christ, but positionally, positionally, we have been glorified in him, but we will fully experience this glorification when we depart from this earth and we're with him. So it's true to say, if you're sitting here today saying, Brendan, I don't feel like I'm glorified, I don't feel like I'm in that state of glorification. Well, positionally in Christ you are. You may not be experiencing it right now. Mind you, the more and more you allow your will to conform more to his will, you will feel a sense of being glorified. Right? You want to experience it here on this earth? You can. The more you choose his will over your will. But even if you don't do that, because you're justified, you've already been glorified. When you leave this earth, who's ready to leave this earth? <laughs> when you leave this earth and you're with him, you will immediately be as he is and perfected and glorified like him. You will experience it. And that kind of thinking, that knowing, that security in Jesus is the best way to approach, uh, to approach and prepare ourselves for times of humiliation. The key for the church today is to live more and more out of a deeper revelation of who we are in Christ. People, if these are times, and these times are going, as Tim Costello would tell us, we, we possibly need to get more and more prepared for this. And if, as I believe, God said to me, Brennan, he's speaking prophetically and you need to listen up then I would encourage us today here at Civic. I, I, I'm, not here to, I'm, not here to, I'm not responsible before God for any other church, but I am responsible before God for this church. And so I'm here today to say, come on, I believe that we can prepare ourselves if this is, going to, if this is the case and should it continue, I would love us at Civic as a, as a community of believers to be well prepared to know how to handle anything that looks like or smells like humiliation that might try to be hampering us. If, the thing about humiliation, the power of humiliation, is simply to try and get your eyes off Jesus and to get your eyes down here and to, and to, and to start operating out of our humanity. 
Humiliation is the fuel of retaliation, but knowing who we are in Christ is the answer to humiliation without retaliation. Who's with me? Humiliation is the fuel of retaliation. Whenever you see someone retaliating, I'll guarantee you can go back and you'll find it's being fueled by humiliation in their life. Think about that, even in your own personal lives. But humiliation is the fuel of retaliation. But knowing who we are in Jesus, right? Knowing who we are in Christ is the answer to humiliation without retaliation. I have no need to retaliate. In fact, people... You keep your eyes on Him and understanding you're not just justified, you're glorified. It's already done. He did the two things at once. There's a sad gospel that gets around, and I still hear it today. Well, you get justified, but then you've got to get sanctified. And if you don't get sanctified enough, well, you may not get glorified. You may not make it into heaven. You know That's garbage. It's complete rubbish. Did you notice that in that particular scripture, he didn't even mention it. He said, no, I've gone straight from justification to glorification. And what happens in between? Well, I've got grace for that. Hello? I've got grace for that. Aren't you glad we live under the gospel of grace? And so I believe that the church would be really wise in conclusion. If I could wrap that all up and say, I think that the church would be really wise to follow Jesus' example in Philippians chapter 2, 6 and 8 that says... Being formed in the being in the form of God did not consider himself robbery to be equal with God, but therefore understanding who, he knew who he was. See, we know who we are, don't we? We know who we are in Christ. We know he he knew who he was. But what did he do? He made himself of no reputation. I, I don't have to. I don't. I don't have to. You know, beat it all up. I, I don't have to do that. I don't have to go on about that. Let somebody else do all of that. I know who I am. We know who we are, right? We're the church. He loves us. He loves his church. He loves you. And we make ourselves, we're not about running around making a reputation for ourselves, but taking on the form of a bondservant, he came in the likeness of men, in other words, in, in, our, in the same humanity that we have, and being found in the, in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You see, he came as a servant and he came to serve humanity, right? And so at Civic, just like Jesus, we're not interested in getting recognition, but we're simply wanting to serve. We just want to serve humanity. We don't, we're not out trying to make a name for ourselves. We're not trying to make Civic bigger and better and brighter and the brand. We're not on about that. In fact, we, we say, let the brand, let the church, let the name decrease and let Jesus increase. Right? When you find people trying to get involved in making a reputation for themselves, I'm not sure that's really... But here at Civic, at least, let's just talk about Civic. We simply want to serve humanity. We believe... We believe our lights will never shine brighter than when we serve with humility and authenticity. Who's with me? We've got nothing to fear. 
Bring, we're not here saying bring on humility. We're not here worrying about what kind of days we might be facing. We have no need to be of any fear. Just don't retaliate. Just make sure that what we're doing is done in humility, authentically. I think we're well positioned for that. Do you agree? I honestly believe as a church community that we've, we've, this is our message. This is the message that is preached. It's preached in, day in, day out. The gospel of grace, humility, authenticity, be real. Make sure it's about Jesus and not about anything else. Keep it simple. And so whatever's coming, if we just keep doing that, I think we're well positioned. Who agrees? Let me pray with you. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we do believe that you do speak to your church and you do it prophetically. And we believe this morning that prophetically you may be preparing us for times ahead where we'll need to get used to this, this, this humiliation. And, and we pray, Father, that as Jesus also experienced humiliation, we would learn from him and we would follow his example and that, we, that our lights would shine even brighter in the times of humiliation because, Lord, we won't retaliate. We're not interested in a reputation. We're simply interested in serving with humility and authenticity. Father, be glorified in your church. In Jesus' name, every heart said, Amen and Amen. Been great to be with you everyone god so richly bless you enjoy the rest of your day and your week and we're going to have one final song <laughs>